So good afternoon, handy listeners and handy viewers such as you are, and welcome to this. A very nice little intimate chat with Steamforge's uh, Steam's development team on the changes brought to you today on both the Morticians and Ratcatchers guilds. And I am joined, as I have been before, by friend of the channel, Mr. Jamie Perkins. Hello, Rich. How's it going? Hello. Very well, thank you, Chef. And I am also joined by a man who designs rules in Guild Ball specifically to beat me at tournaments on technicalities, Mr. Steve Margotson. <laughs> hey there. <laughs> Not bitter. Still not bitter. Um, so, gentlemen, we've seen quite a lot of changes, and by this time, um, both viewers and listeners, handies such as they are, I have no idea where that catchphrase came from, um, have seen cards across on Panzer's blog. They've heard Connor and Panzer and I wax lyrical about all of the changes and where we think they fit into their respective guilds by this point. So I'm not going to go through each card in general. Rather, what I'd like to do, gents, is to sort of focus on your decision-making, um, both in terms of the guilds themselves, their ethos, where you see them fitting within uh, Guild Ball as a whole. Uh, I'm loath to use the term meta, but I suppose that is actually quite appropriate in this case. And sort of what, what led you to make the changes um, that you did? And also, I have a whole bunch of questions, as you, as you might imagine. So if that's all right by you, gents... Um, where to start? Should we should we go with the the morticians as the as the larger one? That's sort of probably get a good that, idea. Yeah. Get that one out of the way. Um, the first stuff. Exactly. First of all, I absolutely adore the changes to Obulus. I'm a huge fan <laughs> of that because it's nothing whatsoever. Um, there was lots of discussion um, in my local meta in the sort of the London Guildball community WhatsApp group of all the changes that were going to happen to Obulus. I'm delighted to see none of their ideas in effect. Um, so why why is he perfect, uh, Steve? I'll, I'll come to you first. Why why was um sort of because I'm sure you, there was a point where you looked at this and went, how do we change him? How do we make him better? How do we make him more? But what was it that meant that nothing needed to be done? Because in many ways that's quite a bold decision. I mean, <laughs> I guess the first thing is almost just working as intended, for lack of a better term. It's no, a case no. of the um, morticians are all about control and mm -hmm. the other sort of the themes are they're a control team that focus on fighting and manipulating the battlefield and then sort of a sub theme within them is that they're fragile and obulus pretty much fits everything there and we i think very early on we decided we weren't really going to change too much about him if and in this case it ended up being nothing because he just <laughs> does everything really that we want him to do he um has the control element in puppet master and mm -hmm. to a lesser extent as well misdirection um he's got the squishy mortician stat line he's got you know four one with less boxes than your average captain so he fits in that um, particular area so he pretty much feels like the mortician archetype that a lot of the guild is kind of based around You've, you've, you've kind of nicely reminded me there of something that I wanted to talk about and said that I wanted <laughs> to talk about and then completely skipped over uh, in my excitement to talk about Obulus. Um, in that, you know, you, you said in all of the blogs leading up to this point that, you know, you've really sort of dug down into what it is to be that guild, you know, to look at that guild's core identity. Now, you've mentioned there that control, that, that, that takeout orientated, 
that perhaps uh, the fragility that, you know, I think it was on singled out last season, you mentioned, Jamie, that they have on average the lowest health points. Um, so it's interesting to see, like, across the board, those health points pretty much stay where they were. Is that pretty, a, a, con- a, a conscious decision on your part, gents? <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that's pretty conscious. It's um, a case of that the guild is fragile and most of the models represent that. You have kind of a few exceptions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, casket is more hardy than your average mortician's player. Um, and Ghast as well. Um, I mean, his is more based in his, you know, defensive tech of having sure. fear and rising anger. But yeah, we're, we're pretty happy with them. Um, and the reason they didn't change was that the fragile elements of them was pretty much working as we expected the, they would and how we wanted them to. So, and just to, just to drill down, yeah. just to drill down into that a little bit deeper, it's when you're uh, creating a control playstyle or a, a playstyle that is entirely based upon control, when the win conditions of the game, like the win conditions of Guild Ball are, are nothing really to do with control. Control itself doesn't score you yeah, victory points, it doesn't yeah, get you goals, it doesn't get you takeouts. You have to use control to, yeah, you have to use control to manipulate getting one or both of those victory conditions. Um, and in balancing control, we have to balance so many extra factors that are not immediately obvious um and the fact that when you're asking a team to take literally take control of the game take control of the flow of the game how fast it happens you are in many ways when you're when you're playing the morticians properly you, when your opponent scores points when you allow them to when you're like yeah. i could stop that but i'm not going to because ultimately i want to do this in order to win the game yeah. um and make the mortician player or making a control team have to make those choices you never want you never want a game where your control team is going i don't have to let them have any points at all because that's no fun for the opponent they don't get to do anything at all um, at the same time the control team has to or the control player has to feel like they are controlling the game mm-hmm. and you never want to have them making a choice where it's i can stop you scoring every single point here and that's fairly easy to do that's no fun for anybody it's not even really that fun for the control player eventually no. um but what you do with the choices you do want them making are saying, I might have to let you get two points here so that I can score four to six points here. And that is a way more interesting choice for them to make. And it's also a gamble because that two points they're allowing the opponent to make might actually turn into four to six points on its own. And that's where the game and the struggle comes into it. Um, mm. And part of achieving that level of balance is making the control team be very fragile. They have to make every single choice very consciously and very deliberately, uh, because if they get it wrong, then they're going to lose a lot of players very easily. If you have yeah. an extremely resilient control team, that can be a lot. That can be a lot less fun to play into because not only are you having some of your choices dictated for you, but when you actually get to make decisions and when you actually get to attack the control team, then they're really hard to bring down as well. That's just not mm. fair. Um, so it has to be that when the control player makes a mistake they have to feel it and it's or if you look at it the other way as well if they're if you're saying to an opposing team say the butchers that okay of the potential 12 attacks you could make this turn you're only going to get to make four those four attacks have to matter um, yeah when they actually get through yeah there's a lot of different ways you can look at it and a lot of it's quite difficult to assess and a lot of it's quite indirect but there are a lot of different factors that play into balancing the, the the power of a control team and how fun it is to play into a control I mean, this, 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 is, this, no, this, this is this is really interesting because essentially the question I wanted to end this podcast on 
was how do you design a control team that doesn't make it an MPE for your opponent? So what you've very nicely done there, Jamie, is you've answered my last question first without me asking <laughs> it. <laughs> so yeah, that's Brilliant. Efficient, efficiency, I like it. Um, yeah. So with, with all that in mind, were morticians in season three what you wanted morticians in season three to be? I mean, you famously, what is at time of recording, Last weekend, Jamie won a morticians game at the WTC with a tapping from Dirge, stood up from the table and screamed, morticians are bad. Um, so, you know, you're clearly aware of the reputation that they are not the best in terms of when people create tier lists. And I'm guilty of doing such things myself. So where did you see them fitting in season three? Were you happy with that? How has that influenced your decisions for season four? Um, I'm going to take this one, Steve. Sorry. I know that yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. but this is definitely a me one. So, uh, morticians. I'm, so I'm in a bit of a difficult position with morticians a lot of the time because I like being a game developer, a lead developer of any game, you have to be as objective as humanly possible and unbiased as possible. At the same time, the morticians have always been my favorite, personal <laughs> yeah. favorite guild. They are, they are the guild that got me into the game. So, um, and you can you can see in the past where at different points where that's <clears throat> where that's been a problem. Like obviously, like I was the original playtest of the morticians, and season two obulus happened, and ultimately that's probably more my fault than anybody else's. Um, but I think over over the period of time that I and we have learned better how to be more objective and how to be less biased sure. about the models that we like. Uh, um, at the same time, my my belief about the the morticians in season three is that they were underrated, um, and it's I'm so glad that this recording is happening after WCC where. Uh, the morticians were represented six times in it just from a purely competitive standpoint the morticians were represented by six players out of 140 something 130 something yeah players so they were not a very popular guild in the slightest however there was an undefeated mortician player in the team that won and i only lost one game and we finished second and the only game i lost was to the mortician player that won going (laughs) (laughs) 5-0 so it's, I, I mean, I don't know if you need like a, a more direct method of saying morticians are very good as long as you play them correctly. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, that also is a fair point to say that perhaps they were not the easiest to pick up and play with for everybody. And that, that's, and that's much perfectly easy. fair. That, that, it's sort of, you, you, this, the, the ethos that you've laid out for um, season four is one of accessibility, is one of ease of access, is one of simplicity. So how do you then juggle what has historically been quite a complicated guild, quite a guild where with quite a high entry point where, you know, if you, you look on gubs and people go in, uh, oh, I'm interested in getting into guild ball, where would you recommend you start? Somewhere in that conversation, someone will go, maybe maybe morticians are the second guild. Same, same thing with the hunters, same thing for the blacksmiths in many ways. People sort of saying these are not entry level guilds. So how do you balance a complicated and rewarding play style with the general ethos of season four being more simple, more streamlined. There are, there are only so many things you can do. They are the, the morticians are still going to be one of the more complicated teams that we have just because of that's the definition of control. Control is not an easy thing to understand, uh, an easy thing to teach or learn. Um, and, be, and that's because playing a control team requires you to have a good knowledge base, not only of your own team, but of the teams you're playing against and understand their capabilities so they're 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 never going to be the simplest team that that's in the game but we have made a number of steps to try to simplify them where possible and that is by making the the models that we're seeing a little bit less um, a little bit easier to use um or the models that we're seeing less are also the ones that are a bit easier to 
is and we made them stronger. So I give, to give two examples there, um, Cosset and Gast, two of the more straightforward morticians to play with. Cosset charged at things for free and hits things really, really hard. Um, and that she was a bit, uh, alternatively, she could also drag something in with Law. And the hard part, I guess, for playing with Cosset previously was that she would be taken out extremely easily in the past. Yeah. Um, and one of the things we've added to her, the back of her card is Back the Shadows to allow her to... I think pretty sure we have anyway. Is uh, just double check the cards, to make sure I'm not completely <laughs> yeah, wrong. Is yeah, yeah. um is yeah, yeah, is, uh, is so that so that she can uh, dodge backwards out of a melee once that she's done it to make her a little bit easier to protect. If someone still manages to get to her, they're still gonna take her out. She still definitely represents a glass kind of model, but she's not stuck in the opponent's face and is like super easy to take out anymore. So I'd say that's made her a little bit easier to use in terms of keeping her alive. Um Gast is uh, someone that we've only made one change to, which was to increase the number of influence he brings uh, to the team, which has gone from one to two. And, and when you're playing in the uh, when you're playing your first few games, one of the first things you'll learn is how important influence is and the amount of influence that you have. So with Gast bringing a little bit more influence to the team is someone that beginner players yeah. will hopefully be a little bit more inspired to take to play with. And I remember teaching my stepdaughter how to play. Um, she was she desperately want to play morticians i explained to her they were not the simplest team to learn but she was like okay i want to learn morticians okay fine so i i then it was a challenge <laughs> for me to make them to make them as simple to learn as possible as a first team and why i ended up teaching her was a, like a mortician flowchart okay. <laughs> which actually is probably can not a bad idea that? That sounds like yeah, a <laughs> I, I can i can i can talk you through it it's only a really basic one but i can talk you through it but the first one we did was like influence allocation because she really wants to play with cosset cosset was her favorite model and she really wants okay. to play with obulus um so i was like okay fine so this is the influence flow chart and i get her to recite it what's the influence flow chart i'll put three on gas two on cosset at least five on obulus and the rest were our line good girl um <laughs> and 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 then it was like okay so what model you are going to activate first uh i don't know depends on what depends on uh, well it, she, the answer to that question is if i'm not sure who activate first activate gas and not three people down um, which served her well in a lot of in a lot of early games, and that's that's kind of what I would express as well to a lot of the beginning mortician players is play models like Cosset, play models like Gast that are a bit easier to use, and do things like Gast is quite clearly a model that wants to get stuck in the melee, knock a lot of models down, and that will be beneficial to you for the rest of the turn because you will then, even if the opponent stands up one of those models or two of them maybe, there will be one of those models that's still not down and is easier to to attack later on in the turn, and those are just some you know, basic principles of playing Guild Ball really. That's it's amazing. helped set up models for being taken, um, and it helped her play her early games. And I would, I would, that's what I do. I also encourage for early mortician players. If you come into the team uh, as one of your first guilds, look at the simpler players to use, or even if you're not sure who they are, ask ask fellow players, yeah. ask pundits who the simpler players are. They will have been made a little bit stronger in season four. So hopefully, we've made the team a bit more accessible by making the simpler players to play a little bit stronger. I have a question at the, the end of the flowchart. Is at the end of the flowchart win with a dirge tap in goal? Is that the final step? I mean, <laughs> uh, generally not. But when you are running out of options, you will take anything you can get. Is what That's is what reason. I would I would say to that. Yeah, yeah. I think that kind of category that like is one of the defining features of the morticians as well is the amount of options and just having yes. that. Like I ne when I play morticians, I never feel like oh, I have no plan here at all. There always feels like no matter how like crazy or janky it is, like a dirge tapping goal, there is always an option on the table. And I think that's what makes them both hard to play and interesting to play. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you, I, as, as, a, as, as an enormous Obulus fan, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I was asked only yesterday, how do you play Obulus? So the answer is gloriously. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really the only way to approach it. So there we go. There's 20 minutes on why Obulus hasn't changed. Brilliant. Um, we she was clocking it around six hours for this podcast. 
That'll give well, Roy we, a better. That'll we, give Roy we also, a better run for their money. <laughs> it's it's true. I mean, we we also mentioned Cosset and Gas there, I guess. No, well. no, absolutely. We, we and I, 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 I do want to come back on on those folks, but I suppose the big captain change, um, and the one that certainly when I came up to the playtest events, um, in July was it? July or August? Um, when we yeah, July. Something like that, uh, and certainly the one that that. You could see it rip when you when, so I first of all I would wholly encourage anyone that is able to go to the playtest events to go to the playtest event. You don't have to be like top table tournament competition winners to, to be have a valid input at playtest events. It is also about how models are fun to use and whether they you get what they're meant to be doing. Um, so you know if you can go, do go because they are brilliant days. In the beginning of Jamie's doing a presentation, sort of reading everything and um, with most people that you put on screen, and I won't go through them because you know other podcasts will handle that. Um, there was kind of like a murmuring, couple of questions, and then moving on. And scalpel went up on screen, <laughs> and then there was just like this—you could watch it, this kind of ripple um, through the audience. Um, well, I, I remember that. I gave it. I gave it a few seconds, and I was there was complete silence. I was like, people just reading the card. They've not got it yet. They've not got it yet. Wait for it. And I was like, okay, read voodoo strings. I waited about another five seconds and everyone went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, lo- I loved that moment. That was brilliant because everyone just kind of went, oh, hang on. Um, so kind of what, why have, uh, Steve, why have all the push dodges gone? Why has Tormented Agony gone? Why have you stripped my favorite captain of all her character? No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, so Tormented Agony, in my mind, was handy in very, very situational cases, but clearly you guys have decided it wasn't doing what it was intended to do. Is that a fair description? Yeah, I think that's the fair. I think Tormented Agony as an ability is such a hard one to balance because it's it fits within that difficult place of that it's either too good or not good enough, and I feel like it in its old space, uh, incarnation it just wasn't good enough a lot of the time like mm. situationally it was brilliant but a lot of the time i tended to see scalpel just go in make some attacks you know push dodge your model around do some damage and then probably second wind out um and tormented agony felt like the sort of thing that should be an exciting thing about this model because it's a mortician style control ability but just didn't really work out as as well as we would have liked um and then in terms of just her overall design i think there was i think we just weren't happy with scalpel in the fact that she didn't feel like a mortician she didn't feel like she was controlling as much as we would want her to so that's where we sort of started to look at well what can we give her and um obulus has this very controls a single model very well with puppet master allowing you to kick allowing you to move it so we started to look at well what if you could control every model a very small amount by pushing them um and i vividly remember it was after a play test um night that we have at the office and we were talking about what we were going to do with scalpel and we were talking we'd had this idea of maybe she pushes models and mm. We just had this light bulb moment of kind of um, what if it could be friendly and enemy. And I think me and um, Jamie had both finished our game. We had that discussion. We're like, let's go write this card. 
and <laughs> that's where the the first version of scalpel with those booty strings happened and it it changed throughout uh, playtesting uh, originally you know we have this ethos of test broken and then bring it down to make sure, sure that we have an identity for the character um so originally that aura was really big it was very silly um it was a ten it was a ten inch aura in the first edition in the first edition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so, so that's um, the whole pitch to be honest yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. it was that was one of the things that was brought up multiple times during the testing of the model is that voodoo strings was the sacred bit of her card that was her going to be her identity so a lot of the balancing of her was to make sure that voodoo strings could stay intact um, okay. because we think that is a cool rule and it is just makes her unique to play and makes her feel like that mortician that we wanted her to be yeah, I remember talking with you, Jamie, and Steve, actually, at the, at the playtest, where we're talking, you know, the elevator pitch being that Obvious does one model very, very well, and Scalpel has a sort of more broad approach across the team. And I have to say, I absolutely love this ability. I, you know, much like other people, looked at, you know, you look at the playbook first. It's just kind of what we get used to doing as Guild Ball players. You look at the playbook first. And I yeah. had that same reaction as so many other people of, oh, where, where have all the push dodges gone? And then you look at voodoo strings and I personally immediately forgot that all the push dodges had gone because <laughs> I've said it a few times on this podcast and you know, it bears repeating that the, the great lie of, of podcasting is that the one thing that's more important than anything else in any miniatures game, especially skirmishes miniatures game, skirmish miniatures game is positioning. Um, and yeah. any ability which has a direct impact on you or your opponent's um, positioning you can never value that high enough. And I've been saying for a while now, sort of within um, with, with Panzer and Connor uh, and the rest of the, sort of the media team, we've had these cards a little bit in advance is that someone is going to take scalpel. Someone is going to use her at tournaments and someone's going to burn the world and people are not <laughs> going to see it coming because my God, voodoo strings is good. And I remember being at the play test and um, I've, got ghast i've got scalpel i've got an opponent um with with catalyst within six inches of each other it's like sweet i'm gonna go and stab someone else and all of a sudden ghast is engaging catalyst and he hasn't engaged um and catalyst with his one inch melee can't engage ghast back and i've made that happen and now that's a real problem that my opponent has to deal with and i've done six damage momentously to something else so yeah, I, I I love this, and like I say, someone is going to ruin face with it, and I can't wait to watch it happen. It won't be me. Um, but you, you mentioned one thing there, sort of the original scalpel design, which is still present on the card, but it's changed quite considerably and has sort of wider implications to all of Guild Ball, and that's the the changes to Second Wind, both in making it a four-inch dodge and making it friendly Guild models only. Could you sort of? talk me through the decision process there um i mean yeah so the so essentially one of the things we were noticing with second wind was it was becoming very prevalent within the overall sort of guild ball community yes. um i think the the point that really showed it to us and really solidified it was when me and bryce went over to french nationals and Pretty much the only union player we saw people take was regular decimate, and they were taking her for second wind. Or oh, second wind, uh, sure. 
Yeah. So it was one of those where it had gotten to the point where it seemed like everyone was taking out to promote this standoffish play style of I go in, I make some attacks, or you know, if I'm someone like Engineers, I uh, take some ranged character plays and then uh, second win back to safety. And it's one of those where it's a play style that we don't really want to promote within the game because we want both players to be playing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and turns out it's quite difficult to play the game when your opponent comes in, does some stuff, and then just goes away to the other side of the table. Um, so we started to look at ways that we could change that. Um, and the the best way we felt was to make it a fixed value of how far you moved because um, it was one of those where on certain models it was fine. If you had a really short movement value, it was fine. But sure. it was those longer move va- value models like Decimate with buffs um, mm. and in the Brewers and so on that were the problem. Um, so we decided on that fixed value. Um, and we've never done within the game the idea of a fixed dodge a uh, fixed jog sorry mm. so we then started to look at well what does this look like if it's you know like uh, where do you go but at the end of an activation Makes and sense. um it's one of those where the distance is shorter but it is better in some ways because if i'm attacking i don't have to worry about disengaging my opponent um with my final attack i can do everything i want to do and then i can get out of their melee range yeah, um okay. It also it also kind of brings back knee slider, um, in that you know you, yeah, can, you yeah. can you can have it on a on a striker go in run the length second wind away so you still got that that kind of play style, kind of but but now you're paying a resource for it rather than it just being a a card that you've got in your hand so what you, so sort of to sum your points up there Steve is you you wanted to avoid a play style where people just kind of stay at either end of their pitch and um, and do everything at range. Yeah, and or um, the other thing that we saw with Brewers was a model, mostly Decimate, goes in, does some damage, then second wins out of there. Because it wasn't just range plays that were the problem, it was just interacting with your opponent and then moving away, essentially. So, so once, once, once more, you have written rules to change the outcome of our game at the single out tournament. That's fine, Steve. <laughs> That's fine. That, that, that rematch is long overdue anyway. Sorry, Jamie, you were winding up for a pitch there. No, that's fine. Uh, basically, just to take it down to its sort of simplest, its simplest principle, if, if one person is getting to engage with the game and have fun and roll dice at their opponent and the other person isn't getting to do any of that at all, then only one of those people is having fun, is likely to be having fun, right? So there is a, a number of changes overall that have been driven by the, the, the core principle that we want both players to be engaged with each other at the same time and being able to do stuff and roll dice, right? Um, we yeah, don't want to yeah. we don't we want to minimize the number of situations where that is only happening for one player. Um, and it's interesting, really, that I mean, at this point right now where we're recording this, obviously people haven't got all this information yet. Um, so one of the things that we've seen being talked about in the precursor to this is that it's curious that we have shown a lot of models off that have ranged knockdowns um which yeah. which, which i think is going to move we'll get onto veteran hemlock later on but obviously like i just want to i'm going to be saying this in all the recordings as well is that well 
whilst it's true we've shown a lot of those range knockdowns off, we, people won't have seen at that point is that there is more anti-condition tech within the game. And obviously having a momentum point when you're the kicker at the start of the game will obviously mitigate that as well. So th- there is, there's been a, there definitely has been an increase in range knockdown, but I, we don't believe that that is going to prevent this increased level of player interactivity that we're after. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so sort of one last thing on scalpel. Um, aside from being an enormous Dragon Ball Z fan, uh, what was the sort of reasoning behind the, the inclusion of Spirit Bomb? Um, so, I think you should take this, Perkins, because I think that was your idea. <laughs> seems reasonable. So, um, one inch melee zone captains need to have a method of engaging every single different kind of opponent, um, whether that's by dodging into an unpredictable movement enemy. I mean, mainly, mainly it's unpredictable movement, I guess. Um, and they need to have a method of engaging any different type of enemy that they want. Uh, so this is basically is Scalpel's method of doing that spirit bomb. So she doesn't, she's got some dodges on her playbook. Obviously she can do the strings herself if she wants to, but she can only do the strings herself once per turn. So spirit bomb is, is her method of ensuring that she can get into any model that she likes and have that be a reasonably favorable situation. So if she's thinking about going into a, a scrum and She's looking at it going, well, the only points the only points I can get into this scrum are going to be in like four or five melee zones. And I don't want to just use Voodoo Strings to clear all that up. I want it to be doing things that, are, that I want. I don't want to be setting out a bad situation. I want to be engineering a positive situation. Yeah. Um, so if she wants to, she can just pull the pin off a spirit bomb grenade and throw that in first and then start sorting that situation out before she's even gone in there and gone into those melee zones. Mm. Um, and But she has to, but at the same time, we didn't want her doing that from quite a long distance away because that would be that would be, that's very strong. So, so the original the original range for it was higher. Um, so she has to still be playing. the The question that a scalpel player is always going to be asking is, "How at risk of scalpel being taken out am I?" Yeah, because second wind can't get can't, second wind can't get you that far away. Um, play but dodges etc can't get you that far away you can get quite a big distance away if you start engaged with the opponents and then run away afterwards and then second wind sure that's yeah. fine but that's not that's not a super common situation the more common situation is I'm going to activate move into melee do some damage and then leave melee with second wind um, probably anyway so uh, and the the most players are going to be asking themselves how much at risk of, of death is, is scalpel and how much of these abilities do I have to use not only to engineer positive situations for me and my team but to engineer situations where scalpel won't just get taken out immediately afterwards sure um, especially since especially since Voodoo Strings doesn't uh, work on her counterattacks um, so she actually has for a captain she actually has quite a weak counterattack as well as yeah, a one yeah. so that's fair and, and we, you know, we've, we've seen this in season 3 with with, uh, with Scapper her ability to um, proc cold snap from the playbook and now seeing Spirit Bomb on Scalpel's playbook is very exciting it's something that took me a long um time to realize and i bring it up here just to sort of mention it just in case people aren't familiar with triggering aoe's from the playbook but just so you have it all in one place for things with late morticians just to confirm with you chaps that uh, aoe's triggered from the playbook hit their targets automatically there will be no need for separate dice rolls for that spirit bomb when you lay it down that is correct correct. yes that's amazing (laughs) that is oh I, I don't, I don't, I don't think when this card went up that people have looked at that because it's not a thing we've seen. It's not something we're used to doing. Because even Scaffer, that triggerable cold snap um, from the playbook, what was it on five, if I remember rightly, um, didn't yeah. come up that didn't come up that often. Because if you're charging with with Scaffer, you're probably looking to do something else. So yeah, automatic AOE hits people. 
that's a thing. Um, make use, enjoy. So moving it's on to something third. we. Oh, yep. Sorry, chap. Carry on. I was just going to say it's something that we definitely explored a lot more in season four. Just generally, is Ooh. AOE's off the playbook. Oh, there you go. Little spoilers or foreshadowing of things to come. Um, so moving on to Dirge, he's had some changes. Yes, he's a bit hardier, which is nice. Any any mortician that gains um, health is just fine by me. So I was a big fan of that. But certainly the changes from tag along, uh, from follow up to tag along, is the massive change on Dirge's card. Um, whilst this makes me very excited for setting up cosset bombs, as they become colloquially known, is that the reason behind it? Is that the sort of to take out? the activation requirement of moving dirt into a position first and then going in with Cosset so you can put them both in together. Is that kind of why we've seen this change? Yeah, pretty much. It's a similar thing to the making models easier to use. And one of the things, and because of how closely linked dirt and Cosset are because of the assist, um, one of the things that makes Cosset harder to use is the assist from Dirge and having Dirge in the correct place. Yeah. So tag along was one of those rules that was brought in to make that easier, to bring this model that sees less play, make it easier for a player to use them. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, I mean, we've already discussed, um, it makes sense whilst we're talking about Dirge to talk about Cosset. Um, you know, we've already seen the Back to the Shadows being, being put in uh, to make uh, her less fragile, and particularly she's got second wind from scalpel on as well. That's a very nice um, eight-inch uh, removal of yourself from from an engagement. Um, but the only real other change there is crazy, um, and its absence. Um, can you talk me through that design design decision? Do you want to go with that, Perkins? Yeah, sure. Um, that was a couple of places. One is it was feeling a little bit of. Um, for lack of a better phrase, an outdated rule uh, for a number of reasons, different reasons. Yep. Um, in that we'd, we'd made crazy, we'd, we'd done different edits to crazy in the past, different erratas in previous season, edition seasons to make it work properly. Um, and it just felt like an extra element of complexity that didn't need to be there when we could just have her as a, as a static tack um, that was appropriate for the model. In addition to that, the rule crazy is not necessarily, for lack of a better phrase, super politically correct. Um, or even yeah. just, even just, it's not a particularly nice thing. To, like, you've got to, you've got to address issues of mental health carefully, basically. And I'm yeah. not sure it, that having a rule it, like it crazy have, is fair. Is a fair good, way to do that. It didn't have a pleasant <laughs> connotation to it, so you've taken it out. I think that right. I think that's highly commendable, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, but but that's, <laughs> that's kind of all the rest really, really to it. Is it? It felt a bit old fashioned. It wasn't always working as necessarily as, as well as it could, and we didn't think it dealt with the issues of mental health in a particularly fair way. So. No. So um, I don't I don't think we need to spend much more time on Cosset as we kind of talked about that with Dirge. Vile Swarm is certainly someone that's seen a lot of changes. Um, so similar questions then to, 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 to Scalpel, as we discussed earlier, is what was it about what Vile Swarm was doing or rather wasn't doing that led to sort of such a violent uh, change to, to his card, Steve? Hmm, I'm trying to think the best way to address this, really. Because it... certainly, like, if you spoke to... A lot of people were a big fans of, of, of Dirge as the you know the main mascot that you dropped in, Obul in, in, in Obulus, um, in Morticians, um, whereas, you know, for, as a ball retrieval piece or as an, uh, an assist piece, whereas, you know, you speak to uh, Dave Cameron, certainly one of the community's more notable Morticians players, 
he's always or hasn't since the the loss of Sikkim been a huge fan of Vileswarm just through in terms of influence efficiency and getting momentum from that what was the the double momentous push on two um so for him to have go from sort of a positioning piece to gain more um to gain more health and to gain what a playbook that is frankly uh, yeah so um talk talk me through your decision making process on this one because uh it's one that raised eyebrows, I think. So I, I think the thing with Valswarm was that he he seemed to be underplayed. And I think there are a few reasons for that. One of the big reasons was um, with mascots, you often want them to be doing things for... You either want re- a lot of value out of the influence you put on them, or mm. you um, want to be able to get value without any influence on them. You look at certain models, like Quaff is a good example. He does stuff without influence, but you can put influence on him to get something really good out of him. Where it felt like Swarm, even with the Vindictive um, that he had previously, where he got a charge for one less, still felt like that you weren't getting enough value out of him. And um, also because of, vindictive being tied to a charge was that Varswam would go in you know get his cheaper charge and then he was just kind of stuck there in the scrum and didn't really do a whole lot when he was there because it always felt like assigning him one to make an attack was never really worth it um so when we had a look at this Varswam it was a case of how can we make him how can we make him worth using and how can we fix this problem of where he gets stuck in um, and just can't get out? And you see that very much in Scatter. Um, mm. oh, which, I, lo- I, lo- I love the, the cinematic of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a perfect rule for what is a swarm of rats that just, you know, yeah. it all scatters, then reforms somewhere else. And uh, him moving to Furious means that you can put one on him, you can scatter, and then you can access this furious again um which just makes him a lot easier to use and doesn't get him sort of bogged down in the scrum and then just sitting there as a you know cry a gang up uh, against models and so on um and then i think the other big thing and this is kind of a more wide sweeping change is noxious death mm. um was one of those rules where I think for me, um, Noxious Death was one of the reasons not to bring Varswarm previously because um, the fact that he could die, he would do damage and poison to everyone within range. Um, I've had that be a problem more than a few times where someone comes in, pops the Varswarm um, while he's amongst my team. My whole team takes damage and gets poisoned, which is a nightmare for morticians when sure, they have yeah. such low health pools you know you're taking uh, three damage and then perhaps even the two from the poison five damage on a lot of morticians they are that's not a in a happy place death. yeah yeah, yeah exactly so you'll notice that now noxious death um do- only affects enemy models and that's kind of a global change for a lot of different rules um compound is an example of that with I hadn't even up. noticed that. I hadn't even noticed it was enemies only. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So you can now play the vile swarm grenade and you know 
unmasking and kill your own bastards. I mean, that, that, that's that's always been the dream is the unmasking noxious death. Um, I've <laughs> yeah. never once made it work, but you know, it's there. It's it's possible, probably. Um, and I think I, I don't think we can talk about Varsal without immediately talking about veteran graves. Um, so, Jamie, just wanted to bring this in. Uh, you on this one as well. The you know we, you talked on the blog for the Rat Catchers about how the snack digger playstyle, for want of a better expression, wasn't something that you were enjoying. It wasn't something that you had envisioned for the for the Rat Catchers at the beginning. So, with the removal of Grave Digger, um, is there anything else you wanted to say on that? Be as is you got sort of a microphone rather than a blog at this stage. So Veteran Graves is a model that is particularly difficult to develop um, and has been twice <laughs> um, <laughs> because he's got a lot of different things you need to take into, into account. One is he's got two different, two quite different play styles he needs to meet both of. Now, the majority of minor guilds have, well, all minor guilds have about two degrees of separation in terms of their play style from their parent guild. Mm. So even though the Falconers are less about control than the Hunters are, they are, a little bit more into the melee damage, but the hunters are still quite good at the melee damage as well. It's not um, it's not completely divergent playstyle. Yep. Um, the morticians of the rats are probably the most divergent, I guess, because even though they do have the same sort of two degrees of separation, because some morticians are so close to being able to do football, like it, on the on the sliding scale of football and uh, scoring goals and scoring takeouts, the morticians are probably slightly more towards takeouts of center. Yeah. And the rats are probably slightly more towards goal scoring of, of center. And that's probably gone a little bit more so in yeah, season four, exactly. just because we were a little bit more forceful in like removing the snack digger, et cetera. Um, but Graves has to satisfy Graves and um, also have to help satisfy both of those win conditions, uh, as well as being the fact that they're part of a control team. Uh, and at the, same, at the same time, veteran Graves is a veteran model. So he has to, to we have to take into account that he has to compete with his normal version and on top of that his normal version has one of the most value highly valued character plays in the game tooled up there's a lot oh, of different factors you, to play you, here that make you, this a... you, you've taken tooled up out of the game now it's fine <laughs> oh completely, completely it's gone completely no no that's that's a lie that's not, um not true it's no not at all not at all um so but to, and tooled up still is on normal graves normal graves hasn't had any changes at all um so veteran graves has to do all has to take all of those different things into account and have to be a strong enough model to be balanced against a tooled up uh, non-veteran counterpart <laughs> i think we've done okay yeah um, <laughs> i'm interested to see i'm really interested to see how people react to veteran graves but the but the things that we've done have tried to take all of that different things into account i mean he still helps out with a little bit in melee exhaustion and they ain't tough are two both very very powerful um melee abilities uh, and they also help the control play style out of both teams quite well um yeah and uh i think they're not, they're, they're not, a fair replacement uh, not not knockdown they ain't tough on two Yep. He's it's amazing. a pretty savage result. Oh, oh. <laughs> yep. Um, especially with his new heroic of giving, you know, in this case, Varswan, but you know, Varswan will squeeze an additional two influence. Um, is like I, I to, to, to hero story just a very small amount from the playtest. Just to give you an idea, handy listener, of what you can achieve with this. I was playing against co-host Mr. Panzer Harris, trying out the new Alchemists. Um, 
And one of the models that we weren't testing on that day was Catalyst. So he was exactly the same original Catalyst, so threes and ones and all of the health under the world. I'd already killed somebody else who shall remain nameless on his team. So I was up an activation. Graves goes into Catalyst with one influence on him. Knockdowns, um, they ain't tough. So Catalyst is now knocked down with Stagger. Puts two influence on Varswarm. I then have to eight Varswarm who charges in. Gets eight hits on the charge, so that's um, you know wrapped three times, and then promptly one rounds catalyst. <laughs> it's not okay or okay, depending on your perspective. I'm very happy about this. I'll be interested to see how it goes down. But yeah, it's it's really interesting to see. As you mentioned, there you 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 have to double. It's one of the reasons I was very interested when you introduced the concept of minor guilds, that the crossover models seemed to be veterans. And now, we, admittedly, with, um, with Navigators, that combo was broken, and I almost breathed a sigh of relief on your behalf, because surely the veteran models are harder to balance in a minor guild situation than anyone else, because you not only have to balance them against their original counterpart, but also the guild that they're going into. Yeah. Having tooled up the non-existent ability that's being removed from the game and <laughs> they ain't tough balanced against each other is really interesting for me really interesting because you're both you're using them effectively to do the same job to to impact the maths of your um of your attacks so yeah. and and this is going to be a really really nice job because let's say take for example blacksmiths do I need tooled up against the apprentices in blacksmiths? No, probably not. Can I use They Ain't Tough to reduce not only their traditionally low defense and their armor, um, be that in the form of a sentinel or not? Yes, massively I can. So I think, gentlemen, you've done a really good job here of balancing the two um, across from one another. I'm a huge fan of, of new veteran Graves and can't wait to see him on the pitch. I'm so glad to hear that because he was... I think it's safe to say he was quite a problem model for us within season four. He changed an awful lot. I certainly think in terms of the two models we spent the most time working on for the morticians, it was definitely Scalpel and Veteran Graves. They took more time. They took more of our time than any other two models, I think. Any other models in the guild, certainly. Yeah. Um, um, and just to, just to go on about um, the, the what we did for them in the rat catchers as well, a little bit, is, is mm. we've talked about how they and tough and exhaustion are good in the morticians but they and tough and exhaustion are also like equally good in the rat catchers mainly because even though they and tough can be used for out outputting a lot more damage it's just generally good for making any kind of melee attacks the fish would love to have their and tough obviously yes. they've got weak points instead but even mod modifying armor is good for making any kind of melee attack whether you're looking to attack the ball or take the ball off them or do knockdowns uh, or cause damage it's all good for everybody which is why they and tough was an appropriate thing to put on veteran graves's card it, it, it equally help out the rat catches as, as well as the morticians as well exhaustion as well probably a little bit less for, for exhaustion because maybe because the rat catchers play a little bit more spread out than the morticians do perhaps but certainly they and tough will be very good for them on yeah. top of that you've got the momentous tackle on one with a two-inch man zone always good for a team that wants to score a lot of goals 100%. the the rat catch we think we've slightly increased the rat catchers access to knockdown in season four um that both on skulk's playbook the knockdown has come down a little bit and the knockdown on veteran graves card has come down from being on the third column to being on the second column so they've got yeah. a little bit better access to knockdown now that's going to help them as well, just to slow enemies down a little bit and obviously retrieve the ball in certain situations. 
uh, close control, uh, something the rat catcher didn't have access to, just somewhere somewhere safe to put the ball for a turn or two on a, on a chap yeah. that's got reasonably good mm-hmm. reasonably good counterattacks, having access to knockdown pushes and obviously low down tackle. That's quite good for defending the ball. Um, and then the, obviously also the fact that you mentioned his heroic play for putting uh, influence on Valswan that can also be used on Squeak as well. Um, yes. So I think in I think in these respects that we've we've hopefully allowed Veteran Graves to fit in quite well with both the more positions and the rat catchers. And I think I think yeah, that's gone, even, that's even, even though he's lost Grave Digger and therefore the playstyle associated with it, I think you're going to see him more. Um, I've sort of long argued locally that I wanted a close control model in Morticians. Um, my preference for that was Skulk. I was, you know, quite. I, if you turned around to this um, this uh, change, <clears throat> excuse me, and Skulk had lost, say, poised and gained close control, I would have been very, very happy. Um, I think Skulk close... needs to be more annoying. Clearly, yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, no, this, and I'm, I'm going to have the same argument with you now, Steve. That I've had many times locally. Um, that I think Skulk having close control would be less powerful than somebody else having close control. Because what you're going to see now is models are going to put, you know, I'm going to put the ball on veteran graves. And then as my first activation, I'm going to stand Skulk nearby with horrific odor and pest control. The advantage there being that veteran graves hasn't activated yet. So I've killed the ball, but still can move. Uh, And so I've been, I've no idea whether I'm right on this, but I look forward to having this argument on the pitch uh, with my opponents locally rather than just in WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll certainly be really interesting to see how people use Veteran Graves because you've mentioned him there as being something that is like could be useful as a mid to late activation, but you can also see him as being an exceptionally good early activation oh, as well. Obviously, getting the eight off out early is going to be really, really useful. And one of the things I've loved so far is just being able to go, I'm going to activate first with Veteran Graves. You've got some really, really good counter-attacking models here. So that's fine. I'll just spend one for the, I'll just spend the one for exhaustion, walk into those models and then you can't counter attack me and I'll knock a few people down put the end offs out or even better if he's going second even or if the opponent has the first activation and they've still generated two to three momentum they can counter attack him and I just I still like putting exhaustion anyway I was doing yeah. it we, we played a game with uh, played a game with Matt Doran of, uh, of, of Roll Better fame um, yeah, a couple weeks ago and they came to record and and um, and he always had the momentum to counter attack Veteran Graves and I just loved asking the question every time so I've got exhaustion up do you want to counter attack me and he'd be like ah I, no, I can't. I'm like, well, you can. <laughs> <laughs> you can if you want to, Matt. <laughs> He's like, well, I, nice, no, no, stop it. <laughs> it's nice to see the dilemma, like more of the dilemmas uh, coming across because, of course, we had that with Pelage. We had that um, to a certain extent in Skulk. Just you don't want to go anywhere near him um, uh, and be annoyed with him. So it's nice to see that um, come across with Bet Graves as well. So speaking of rat catchers, seamless segue, seamless. Uh, like saw the worst model in the world, apparently. Um, uh, it's been, this has been, you know, when you know something in advance. Um, and it's I, difficult. I, I, I do, I do, Tom. You do. I think, yeah, I'm not I'm familiar sure. at all. I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> um, but, you know, for, you, for you guys, you know, it's your job. That's cool. Um, and I'm sure you're, you're, you know, you've got many irons, fire, irons in the fire already. But for us that aren't used to it, one of the more difficult things about doing what we do is, Knowing things in advance and not telling people, um, and it's legitimately very difficult. And you know, uh, but there we are. It's you know, first world problems. Um, watching the Free Cities draft, which is you know we're well underway at the moment, but no one really knows what the conclusion will be, and I've no idea how that will change when this come out. Is watching all the morticians players going. We need a new striker. Bone saw is terrible. We need a new striker. Bone saw is terrible. And me not being able to go. Shut up. 
Like you don't because <laughs> my gods, I love new bone saw. Um, kickoffs with bone saw are now a thing. Oh Jesus! I'm just being able to. I've kicked off with bone saw. I'm going to walk. I'm going to charge you. I'm in your lines. I'm doing whatever I want. Um, so I think he's a really good example of how you've simplified things, like the the football dervish going away, the uh, the swift winds sort of going from uh, being a heroic into just an ability on his card, offensively defensive, just becoming part of his card. So is that all being motivated purely through streamlining, just purely for making things quicker and more accessible? You're on first, Steve, or am I doing it? Um, I don't mind. You, you can take this. Cool. It's a rat catch. Uh, um, it is. That's true. Um, so Bone Saw is a model that we had a decent talk about in the beginning and then we identified a clear path for him and the first conversation was do we do we need to go back and completely rewrite this model um because obviously we knew there were lots of big problems for him and he, he unfortunately as can occasionally happen he'd be, he become the butt of jokes during season three which was, it's just something we never want to see but it, you know when we when we when something gets pointed out and it's not changed for a while then that can happen um so we had to have that serious conversation about what we got to do with him could we save this model in, in the form it had um, and we decided, yes, that's what we were going to do because we believed that we could do that. Um, yeah. And even though it did require one, making one quite in-depth change, which was this, the switch. The biggest change, obviously, my guess is uh, the switch of football dervish being removed and replaced with stamina. Now, they both achieve quite similar things in that they extend bone source threat range. Um, one of them requires him to do quite a lot of janky stuff, using momentum and kicking mechanics and takes quite a lot of time to do and also takes quite a knowledge a lot of knowledge of the core rules of the game as well to understand yeah. where, which models can dodge and how that all functions mechanically or just he's got stamina he makes an extra jog uh, so much simpler and achieves a lot of the same a lot of the same stuff uh, without the requirement of dice rolls etc as well um doesn't overbalance the model uh, overbalance oh, not that phrase doesn't overpower <laughs> the model um in, in any way really because he's still he's still a one-inch man his own model at the end of the day he still can have issues with getting into things like a pixel movement etc but either way we were happy with the fact it wasn't going to make him too powerful and it wasn't going to remove too many of the questions either it's still a very interesting model to use a lot of at the time um but he was basically just overall too complicated um and and that's kind of summed up in the change of of of, of second wind to of swift wind sorry to swift wind football dervish to stamina hmm. um so i'm mean, certainly with the change sorry steve go ahead I was just going to say, I think the other thing as well with losing Football Dervish is the number of times I saw players who were excited about Bonesaw and liked Bonesaw use that rule and they set up this amazing goal run and it's all going to be great. And then they fail a die roll and it just, you know, messes up their turn. And the number of times I saw that and it's one of those where it's a just unfortunate thing. And I think puts people off bone saw as well and put people off the old bone saw because it's not fun to, you know, make this really elaborate plan and then to fail a three die kick or in some cases a two die kick for mortician. So I think as well, this change makes him more fun to use because you haven't got that massive risk of him just sinking your turn. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting, like all, all three of us, all three of us play morticians, all three of us play morticians quite a lot. Um, and I don't know about you gentlemen, but certainly the, what, 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 I can't remember what the official name for it is, but what I, we know lo locally is Kiki Receivey, 
um, that dice roll at the beginning of the game, um, the sort of flow chart in my head of the results, 75% of those results result in ovulus kicking. Um, you know, so if I win the roll off, I'm going to kick. If my opponent wins the roll off and chooses to, for me to kick, I'm kicking with ovulus. And if I'm, uh, you know, the, the, the only time Bouncer would be in my team was if my opponent won the roll and my opponent elected to kick. That's so 25% of the results. So that was it. And that was the only time I would then put Bonesaw down on the table. And in many ways, that would also then dictate that Silence went in my team and that Graves went in my team because they had the three, six kicks um, to be able to support um, Whirling Dervish. So the... I didn't feel comfortable with him when I was when I was kicking. I only felt comfortable when I was receiving, and I elected to receive less than, than any other time. Um, so he was so situationally on my team that eventually he just dropped further and further and further down my roster to the point where he fell out of the 10 because I could probably have a different plan if I wanted to. And I don't know if that was your experience, but that's certainly sort of how it how um, Bonesaw sort of, I fell out of love with Bonesaw during season three. I, th- I think that's fair. Um, certainly, I, I, I certainly heard a lot as well that people would only really take bonus when receiving, and as you just outlined in quite a lot of detail, their morticians are quite comfortable <laughs> when kicking the ball. Um, but it's the same, same for me and Steve. We, we've played obvious a lot. We quite enjoy kicking off with him because he's very strong in that situation. And <clears throat> and um, and when you are not planning to score a goal with season three bonus or in the first turn, then he will often spend a lot of time being a liability because he hasn't got that extra. Def- he wouldn't have scored the goal. We've got the got the extra defense from um, offensive defense, etc., and would often just be a bit of a weight on your team, really. So we didn't want that to be the case anymore. Um, we want him to be a useful model all the time, regardless of the situation. And I think we did achieve that overall. Um, and and, yeah. and to, to, to switch back over to rat catchers for just a second as well, one of the things that was preventing them from being uh, more of a, a goal-scoring-focused team was their inability to chase down a dead ball. Their only real model for doing that was Piper, or Piper when he's reveried another model just to sprint after a dead ball, which is very expensive for him. Um, and with Bonesaw now, being able to just use his obviously stamina to get an extra distance on his own, he's a model that can go a long distance in a vacuum without needing the ball in the first place. Because obviously, if you're using the ball, you're not chasing down a dead ball. So those two things don't obviously you know, mutually exclusive. Mutually exclusive. Um, and will hopefully help out the rat catch a little bit more with their, with a the goal-scoring game. So. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Cool. Um, probably my favourite players in Morticians, Brain Pan and Memory, haven't changed at all. Uh, yay, I love this. Um, is that, again, just simply like it was with Obulus, just working as intended? Pretty much. I mean, we... I think... I'm a big fan of Brain Pan and Memory. I think Perkins is an even bigger fan of Brain Pan and Memory. Like I, I run them a lot. I don't think Perkins ever drops them from his lineup. I find it very hard. When it, yeah, the only, during season three, the only time I wouldn't play them was against Veteranox because he's a very easy way to trigger the old ways, which I found out the hard way once and never will never repeat. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Other than that, whenever tell, I was playing, I you telling season, me about it, and I've never put them in since. Right. Um, yeah. So, but in every single other matchup, um, basically my first two drops every single time would be normal graves and brain pan and memory. And what makes me excited about playing Morticians in season four is that that's not as much of a straight choice anymore. Uh, and and brain pan and memory not having to change is definitely a part of that. They're already good enough as they are. Veteran uh, normal graves, sorry, not having to change is a part of that. They're already good enough as they are. But making these other models good 
enough to be alternative choice, legitimate alternative choices there and making that decision harder is something that makes me excited to play mortician season. But it, that just wasn't a choice for me, and I'm sure it wasn't a choice for many other mortician players in season three, unfortunately. No, no, I'm very happy to see them pretty much the same. I adore that little puppet and his memory dance. Um, and much like, you know, for you, if I remember rightly, for you, it was um, Graves, Brempan and Memory, and then usually Ghast as your third drop. Um, whereas for me, um, my sort of default first three out of the off the bench were uh, Brain Pan and Memory, Graves, and then the next man, Casket. Um, yeah. Who yeah. is a really interesting one. It's the, sort of the big change. Well, there is a big change on the card, and then there's a big change not on the card, if that makes sense for me. Uh, one, yes. the, the foul odour um, now being enemy only. Um, now the, the the really good thing here is, is of course that I one of the things I think I've heard you discuss about in the past which is if I forget one of my rules that should penalise me not you mm. um, so if I had in the past forgotten as I think I've done on Don't Touch the Beard and a couple of especially in the early days is if I forget foul odour when say moving one of my own players up that penalises my opponent is that the driving force between foul odour going to enemy only i mean partially it's also just a, i mean i guess yes but i would mainly call that is being wrapped up in the simplicity and reducing complexity that we've been talking about for season four in general um mm. not having to remember not having to remember that and then for you follow that train of thought down to the, the path that you just led down really which is if you then forget that what are the differences on the games that have sometimes that's quite massive differences and ultimately if you are forgetting that then it's at the detriment as you say to your opponent rather than to you um which is and that that can that can cause some awkward situations in games. So sometimes it's just something we want to avoid. So it's a nice element of cleanup, and you can wrap this up really in the same line of changes that we've made to overheat and noxious death. In that, when you've got passive abilities like that, they shouldn't be. When you've got passive abilities that can affect both players, it shouldn't be controllable by both players. So one of the ways of solving that is just not making it affect both players. If that makes some sense. Yeah. Um, so it's not. I remember playing a lot of games. To take a different example, I remember playing a lot of games against alchemists, and um, and a lot of people, other people will have done as well. Seeing Flask and going, oh, Flask's in a good place right now. Where if I kill him, he'll do take him out. Sorry, he'll do a lot of damage to his nearby friendly models. Yeah. Um, and not having that be a thing is, I think, is a positive for the players playing with the models that that have those rules. Um, that's a really really complicated way of saying that, but I think it made sense. <laughs> um, and just an element of reduced complexity overall, and I think it's a positive thing for the game. But at the same time, one of the areas where we haven't done that is rules that are entirely within your control. So Scything Blow, the unmasking, similar abilities that mm. affect friendly and enemy models, but they are entirely at your control as when you use them. So you don't have to trigger if, that if, if, result. Absolutely. You can position the model in an entirely different manner so that doesn't happen so it is completely in your control when that occurs so they still hit friendly models but model but abilities that are not always entirely in your control they will only affect enemies now mm. is is the best way of summing that up i think um so we've we've seen elsewhere um certainly with scourge who will come to in a little while and vet graves we've already talked about the victory point uh accelerant abilities for want of a better word um being taken away so why is is casket time such an integral part of his um, core design that you couldn't lose it, or are you happy for for morticians to have access to VP accelerant in the, in, in this traditional way? I mean, for for lack of a better 
answer yet uh, to your first part, which is that he is uh, casket time is one of the most fundamental expressions of control in a control team. Mm. Um, and, and that it is generating extra victory points. It is taking out a model for a whole extra turn. So you don't get that model back. You don't get to play with them. You're an extra activation down. It only happens once. And it is on a model that because Gast is now coming to the team, generating two influence. Casket doesn't do that anymore. He, it was sorry, doesn't do that anymore. Doesn't also do that. So he still only generates one influence for the team. You're paying an influence penalty to bring him along for an ability that is exceptionally powerful, but mm. is ultimately extremely thematic. With, is ultimately extremely thematic with the guild. Um, and obviously, we're going to come on to that other, that uh, that change off the card that you mentioned earlier, which is that models will. In season four, you will always have to bring your models back onto the pitch. You don't have the option of leaving them off anymore. Um, so if, you, if you're in that situation where you don't want to bring them back on, you can just put them in the corner if you don't want to play with them, if you don't want to have them just being taken out. Um, they always have to come back on. Um, however, for in the situation where our model is, is staying off the pitch, which in this case now is only casket time, um, then that model will still generate influence. So in the situation where... Um, morticians are playing against butchers and they've managed to casket time ox the butcher player won't get ox back for the next turn they're still gonna have to play without him but they will at least get his four influence points and the reason main reason we've done that done this rather is um is so it's it's less of a potential negative play experience we don't hear casket being complained about a lot we used to in the old days um and we've made changes to casket before to to fix those issues we don't hear a lot of complaints about casket now so this is preempting something which is that we believe that the morticians have been an underplayed team in season three. They are going to be played more in season four and casket's going to be an extremely popular model because he always has been. Um, therefore we're going to see a lot more of casket time and the potential for that, particularly against newer players to be a negative play experience is quite high. So we're just tempering that slightly by allowing models that are casket timed to still generate influence. Um, basically. No, that's, so, that's, that's, yeah. that's, just just to summarise there, I'm going to say this loudly and slowly for Timmy all the way in Germany. You have <laughs> to bring your models back onto the pitch, unlike last weekend. Um, Correct. Well played. Sir. Well played. <laughs> but it, um, it, it is interesting that the, the I mean we talked about this in the playtest that I was like, ah, oh, but I love casket time in Grange because there's nothing funnier than going. Um, you don't have five influence this turn. Um, but uh, you, and I would be laughing. I'd, I'd be laughing right along with you as a mortician coach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> However, for the sake of our our farmer uh, compatriots, they still get the influence. But, uh, you know, I'll take that. <laughs> like, at first, I was a bit, oh, but no, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Um, is there anything else anyone yeah. wants to go on on caskets before moving on? Uh, not really. I think that's pretty much everything on him. I mean, I'm yeah, going to break your one rule of not talking about tactics. And I'm going to break your one rule of not talking about tactics and positioning. <laughs> it's, not a there, rule. There is, it's the great lie. It's, it's, it's a rule. It's a very, it's a rule. It's very draconian. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, um, in, when playtesting uh, season four, Casket, one of the things that I really enjoyed actually was something I didn't do at all in, in season three is just because of that change to foul order. You can, you, you, what you can do now is you can kick off with a captain and I was tending to do Scalpel, being the model that we were playtesting a lot. Kick off with Scalpel, and then the first activation, if Scalpel didn't want to go, was to actually bring Casket up, stand Casket next to Scalpel, drop down the Ghostly Visage on both of them, and then you just kind of have this fort mort. You kind of have this little fort mort where nobody can really come near you because of Foul Odor and Ghostly Visage. And, um, or they can, but just not very particularly easily. But 
scalpel is still free at any point to leave the bunker and just go and do things. Yeah. It's just very, very well protected. It's quite an, a, an interesting first activation. I must, so, I must yeah. admit, sort of my deployment as a mortician player, the first half of that is where do I want casket? Where yeah. are where are dirge and memory going next to him? Yeah. Because they're the only yes. ones that aren't impacted by it at all. And then I'm yes. going to deploy the rest of my team. So I guess now I can put them wherever I want. Absolutely. Ah, nice. Thanks. I uh, think that was a common like mortician's deployment strategy. Was it's if I'm playing casket, yeah, memory, memory and the bird will be right near him because because they they're can be. the only one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and so occasionally, that, and occasionally, brain pan as well. Brain pan is just yeah. like you can just see them. They're just gonna be like, "I'll be the brain pan. Go and stand over there." Uh, <laughs> the smelly one again. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Brain pan doesn't have a nose. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, so Cossack, we've already talked about. Um, so, Gast. Um, Gast is really interesting because <laughs> he's he's not been. I'll be brilliant. He's not been in my. Um, in my ten for quite some time. Uh, that purely makes be- me very sad. <laughs> well, it, like I, I have to play with Casket. Um, he goes in my, he's in my six nearly every time, um, because of the hideously long drawn out denial based MPE manner in which I play Gilball. Um, thank you for taking that away from me in season four. Um, Casket goes down as a VP accelerant, so I can't have two one influence models in my six. And if I'm always playing casket, there's no point in putting down gas. That's changed now because just that simple change of going from a one three to a two in three influence makes him so much more viable. Do we talk about how this happened? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to start off with an anecdote, a season three, oh, okay. anecdote. and just 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 for one, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to disagree with you on something about season three, which is that Gaston <laughs> Gaston Casket couldn't be played together. And this is oh, unfortunately, as we're talking about this, it's already a it's already a completely invalidated argument. But I'm going to have it anyway, okay. <laughs> which is which not is petty. no, not at all, not at all. Right, me, me and uh, Timmy, who were the two two guys that finished very highly with morticians at WTC, both mm. played with Gaston Casket in the in our six in the majority <laughs> of our games. I did it for three of the tournament games out of five, and I think he did, did it for about the same. Mm. Um, I would strongly disagree that that's not possible. I, a couple months ago, would have actually agreed with you. I actually had my opinion changed quite recently on this. Um, tried it a couple of times and was like, yeah, yeah, okay, I can definitely see it now. And then it became my standard six okay. <laughs> in most situations. Anyway, sorry, not to, to go off on a rant. Um, Gast, for the longest time, it was totally, mm. totally. Oh, it was a Perkins rant. It's a very, very tame. Um, <laughs> Gast, for the longest time has actually been uh, my favorite model in guild ball yeah. actually there's another small small i that's going to come out with sherwin once asked if sherwin ever asks you what your favorite model is don't tell him because when <laughs> i did that when i did that gas died in the fluff a few weeks later um, and i was very very upset <laughs> and, and even though he would completely deny that that is what happened that is in my head is exactly what happened the train events was i was t- i told him what my favorite model was and it got killed straight away Anyway, so you showed yeah. weakness. <laughs> I showed compassion. That was obviously a mistake. Yeah. Hey, look, that's that's the, not something. He's still in the plus. He's in the season three plus. He just happened yeah. to be a ghost. <laughs> and and that, that very very lovely piece of see. and that very lovely piece of fan artwork we saw recently as well. By yeah, the way, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan White's which was lovely. 
Um, but yeah, so so Gast has always been a very he's always been a model that's fascinated me and been very interesting. I thought he was he was one of the models that I really loved from learning Gilbo in the earliest days because you can quite clearly see how he is a tank. He's a resilient model, but you look at him and he has none of the usual traits of being a resilient model, with the exception of having quite a good counter attack. Um, he's a, he's a defense three and arm one, fairly typical. Got a high number of boxes, but then you go to the back of his card and go, all right, what's making him hard to kill? There is technically nothing here that's making him difficult to kill at all. He's he's just got his 21 boxes and he's got his 3-1. And as soon as you go through that, he's taken out. What he does do, though, is he does it in a very, very mortician way, which is he makes you think about going into attacking quite a lot because of fear and rising anger. Um, fear being that you have to have to spend an initial influence to attack him and rising anger that the first time you damage him, you get the, the mortician player gets two momentum points. And those two things together just make it a real pain to come in to hit him because, you know, I mean, technically, I guess... Fear does protect him from being taken out in one go because it means that a six influence captain can't usually spend six influence worth of attacks on gas. Yep. They're only ever going to spend five because that first one is fear. So technically that makes him a little bit more difficult to kill in one activation. But statistically, it takes the same number of actual attacks to bring him down as, as I don't know, any, anybody else that doesn't have tough hide, I guess. I don't really know where I was going with that point. I just started and didn't really <laughs> have an inclusion. <laughs> I, I but, must admit, I've, I've, always, I've always found fear more useful against uh, strikers just messing yeah. with their maths. Um, yeah. So, so it, it's going to be interesting to see him back in my lineup to do that. Equally, Rising Anger was mainly utilised by me against engineers and alchemists, who people that want to play the long-range game, because at least then I'm still generating momentum. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep, certainly. Uh, and I just, I really enjoy throwing gas in people's faces going... He's not that difficult to kill. I can take him down. I don't want to hit him with anybody though. <laughs> nobody, no, nobody ever wants to be. It's like, it's like, um, I don't know. This, hold uh, me back. No, hold me back. Yeah, well, it's nobody wants to. Be, it's, it's a bar fight where nobody wants to be yeah. the first person to throw the first punch because they know they're going to be the person that also takes the retaliation first as well. It's that nobody wants to be that first person to hit Gast. So often, nobody will hit Gast, which is just great for the multi player because you've just got this dude striding through the melee, knocking people down, being completely unhindered. It's, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Um, so and with, 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 you can, with, you can, you can, you can. Go on, sorry. No. So with the with the influence, um, is this a is this a conscious approach across the board? for like the traditional one three big guy to move to being more having more influence or is that something you can't and really answer at this stage because we haven't seen every guild enough yes it, i mean it's fine yes we'll answer the question and yes it is um Info, as much as we like to have as much unique identity to as many models as possible, and we do play around with influence stats still to a to a degree we know that we can we should play around with influence stats less than we did in the beginning. I mean, in yeah. in like season season one of Guild Ball, there were all kinds of weird influence stats. Obviously, Obulus had his five eight. I mean, I think Normal Graves only generated one, and Silence generated three, and there was all kinds yeah. of weird things. And yeah. we've slowly, slowly more standardised that. And we still have some teams that have specifically weird influence stats. So Black Mist as Black a guild. Right. There are, there are, and there are other models as well. Cosset, uh, and other models of the Furious, etc. There are other reasons for us to manipulate influence stats. Yeah. Um, but we are in our development now. We are consciously saying that if a model has an odd influence stat, has a non-standard influence stat, the standard influence stat being either two four for a normal player or four six for a captain. If they don't have that standard influence stat, they have to have a reason why that is the case. Yeah. And for Gast, he doesn't really. He's a really good model. He has a really good playbook. He has a two inch man his own. He has all that decent um, resource based defensive tech, and the unmasking is very good. There's a lot of really good parts about his model but he doesn't really have a specific reason to only generate one influence point 
Um, so he just we brought him up to two. Uh, it's actually something that me and Steve actually disagreed with our playtesters on. We because we are big fans of Gast. We love Gast. We've always been. We like Gast, as you mentioned, is in my starting six most mm. of the time in most games. I already like playing with him. But I'm the same. What we what we found from our playtest groups is that every single playtest group that was playing with morticians feeding mats was going gas does need gas needs to have this extra influence point to be taken in the six most people and we have there's a principle when when developing where about how how and when and where and how much trust or whatever and all that stuff was not rather whatever how much trust and faith you put in your playtesters and how much control you allow them to have over making changes and generally where you draw that line is very important for how much of a, de- a control a developer has over their own game that said when you don't allow your playtest groups to speak to each other, which we don't, all of our playtest groups are discouraged from speaking to each other so that they don't contaminate feedback. Um, you know, obviously, you start getting like group, you start getting group think and other things like that as well. And we want them to come to their own decisions individually. Yeah, but using the same, if they all come to the same, at the end of the day, if they all come to the same conclusion using the same, um, using the same collection of evidence, but without having spoken to each other, then that's quite a powerful piece of feedback. And yeah. it's at times like that when you have to go as a developer, okay. It's possible in this situation that I'm incorrect and my playtesters are right, especially if they've all <laughs> come. Especially if they've. And it sounds like a really arrogant thing to say, I guess, but but, it's, but I'm quite a big believer that as a developer, you have to have a very deep and firm knowledge base of the game, and you have to have the confidence in your own knowledge yeah, base of the game to use yeah. that and make decisions off your own back. And on occasion, you're allowed to disagree with the playtesters and say that they're wrong. But when all of them are coming back and going, this is what we think it should be and this is why, and they haven't spoken to each other to come to that conclusion, you're probably going, I, 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 I might be wrong in this instance. Okay, fine. So we <laughs> we weren't sure about it at first, being completely honest, but we've been convinced about it over time, and I'm sure it'll be fine. So, yeah. Cool, cool. Um, that. Graves, in many ways, we've already spoken about. Um, of course, not having tooled up anymore is going to be difficult, a change people to have. Uh, <laughs> That's not going to get old. It's not going to get no. old. When are, no. the, when are the losing guilds from Union and Chains getting their tool that model? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's reasonably comfortable skipping over Graves. He does exactly what he did in the past um, and will continue to do so. He will just be challenged for his spot considerably more than he ever has done before. Um, yes. To, to, to the point where there was, a, was sort of sitting there working out my prospective 12. I did look down at the sheet one day and go, Graves isn't on it. He's not even in my roster. Um, yep. yep. Uh, and I'm curious. To, uh, that has changed because I had a bit of a panic and nosebleed. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it's, he's, he's going to see less plays. I don't think we need to spend a great deal of time there. People know what he does. Um, so veteran Hemlock is an interesting one. To mm. see changes so early. Um, I imagine she's still quite different from where she was originally in terms of playtesting. But, you know, the playbook's the same. Her stat line is the same. Um, it's really the inclusion of, of smelling salts that's, that's changed. Is this purely to bring in condition removal into Guild? I mean, yes. It's, it's, so Veteran Hemlock's been affected by two... Veteran Hemlock didn't need changes. We're happy with the model. Um, but oh, she's amazing. Yeah, the, the, <clears throat> but she got affected by two global changes. Uh, one being that blind... We want to reduce the range of blind from eight to six. Mm. Um... And that wasn't something we wanted to do because of Veteran Hemlock. It's something we wanted to do because of the impact of Blind as a character play on the game. And we talked to her as well about reducing the capacity for teams to stay at a distance from each other and not engage. Uh, blind yeah. being reduced from eight to six is de- <laughs> definitely part of that. Um, yeah. The other thing as well is, 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 is it's not necessarily Veteran Hemlock gaining smelling salts as the morticians gaining access to uh, condition tech. And it's something yeah. that we have done 
across the board in season four is that I'm pretty sure every single major guild, and I'm pretty sure most of the minor guilds have some form of dedicated condition tech, whether yes. that is smelling salts or brand new abilities or whatever. Um, and that is to combat the rise of, there has been a rise in condition play in, in yep. the game in general and spoilers. Alchemist. The, the alchemist, exactly. The alchemist, <laughs> put, the, the alchemist put out, kick out, a dramatically increased amount of conditions to what they did in season three. Uh, but in general, uh, we've seen more condition play being used, uh, as we mentioned before on the blog. So obviously we've seen, we've shown off a lot of more range knockdown models. So yes. we've, we've decided to, to level the playing field by making sure that everybody at least has some, has the option of bringing some form of condition tech if they want to. And Hemlock just seemed like the most appropriate place to do that in the guild, really, especially since yeah. she had it on her, she on her it, non-veteran on her form. Prime card. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, you broke out a little. You broke up a little bit there, but I think we got the point of what you're saying. Also, I can't tell if it's the line breaking up or if it's your programming glitching. Um, Maybe Pelage, both. <laughs> a, little bit, <laughs> a little bit of both. Pelage, um, not an enormous change. Um, you know, principally, it's really only the changing of emp from from. Oh, I can't remember really what it's called now. Now it's been. It's uh, empathy rather than oh gosh, what is it called? Dark, dark allure. Dark allure. Um, any reason for the changing in wording? Yeah, uh, Windle has it. So, um, so this is a change on the the farmers, I guess, that's impacted um, Pelage. Is that uh, they both now have the exact same ability. So, I think the version that Windle had of this in season three was that it would he would have the same ability where you can't generate momentum off play but damage results, but it would only trigger on a certain point in his health. Um, okay. that's not the case anymore he just has that for the entire time like uh, Pelage does which means they have the same ability so we needed to change the name of the ability so that it fit, uh, it fit properly on both models uh, and the name we came to is Empathy um, so there's no there's no play style there's no gameplay change there for Pelage it's just a name change for the ability the only other thing I think that happened on a card is that we changed um, Cloak of Rats from being an aura to a pulse that mechanically doesn't actually change how that works it's just it always acted like a pulse but we called it an aura for some reason yeah <laughs> so yeah, yeah yeah but there's actually no there's no other that I'm aware of anyway please don't tell me there's something that's come up <laughs> no, there's, 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 there's no there's no other, I'm pretty sure there's no other gameplay changes to Pelage it's just, just those two bits I just, I'm just furiously checking the release schedule to when the farmer stuff comes out, and it will be as of release of this yesterday. So good, we've good. not just <laughs> we've not just massively given the game away for uh, window. I'm and sorry. we obviously knew that beforehand, Rich. <laughs> yes, I, to be Four honest, plans. I've been I, the amount of times I have checked <laughs> the um, the the list of when these blogs or podcasts or YouTube videos are going out, and we have been coincidentally the right side. It's been beautiful. But please, Good. stop it. <laughs> you're, you're killing me. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I don't think there's really any massive need to change anything on, on or go over anything on Pilar. She's a new model. She's been a very welcome model um, in my rosters, particularly against butchers and against fish. Um, and she's very, yeah, she, I, I look forward to using her some more, particularly as uh, the damage she puts out is lovely. Now, silence is an interesting one for me. Um, as I, as, as you well know, maybe, um, came to Guild Ball reasonably late, came in about halfway through the last season. So I've never experienced silence when he brought three influence to the team, when he was this sort of, you know, the vice captain that the fluff makes him out to be. It's fair to say, I think, that silence dropped off a bit during season three in terms of how often he was put on the pitch. Do you think that's fair to say in terms of pick rate? Steve? I, yeah, I completely agree. There's certain matchups where I think he was very good. Um, mm. 
but, but I think one of the main problems that a lot of people have with him is the one die character plays and the riskiness that those plays bring is when I play him, I want to either have momentum or generate momentum during his activation to use those plays yeah. because there's nothing worse than uh, silence goes first. You you think, okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to... Um, <laughs> make, going make this, last. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be like this, this model that's knocked down has no influence is going to be going first and that um, model over there that I will take time and deal with is going to be going last. I'll roll the dice. Oh, I got a one. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I'm glad I got lots of value out of this activation, your activation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and <all> done it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was one of those where we wanted to give that option for um, him to use those plays, but we wanted to make sure that it wasn't oppressive because um, that during the playtest, there was a point where tenacity, his new rule, which mm. allows him to choose the cost of his character plays was uh, up to three or four. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah. And that got very quickly changed after a playtest game where um, I spent three, I think, on shutout. Or, no, on tucked on Thresher every single game against uh, every single turn against Bryce. And yeah, that was <laughs> probably... That was probably not okay. <laughs> so I mean, it got changed. What, once Bryce stopped, once Bryce stopped crying, um, yeah. <laughs> then we had to sit down and had a had a reasonable conversation about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> we laughed was... while he was crying. Oh yeah, I mean, we're, yeah. we're more session players. It's what we do, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you said. I'm, I'm glad you said shut out there and not tucked because everyone knows tucked goes on fallow because that's hilarious. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's. It is. It's one of the. I, I, the only way I can really describe it is that this isn't one of the models we play tested at the play test event. So this was when I got these cards through. This was one that was brand new to me, and I can reenact the exact moment when I read Tenacity because I made this noise. Um, and I think that's <laughs> the best because you know the, immediately you can see the response to it. Also for Fireblast, I think you know we're, a lot of you know a lot of people are going to talk about shut out and touch on this. But a cheeky one influence fire blast to block charge lanes is much more efficient. And you can almost, like, because tenacity isn't once per turn, you can almost redistribute how you've distributed influence for silence, if that makes sense. Yep. I mean, if you, if you wanted to, you could walk into melee, you could make an attack, do a momentous two damage, get some momentum, throw shut out, throw tucked, and then the cheeky one die fire blast, um, yeah. as we've been calling it. <laughs> the cheeky one die fire blast. Um, yeah. e equally, again, we're seeing another model with an AOE being triggered from the playbook, which I can't stress enough how good that is. Um, like, Silence's playbook has always been, for me, like the stealth finisher. Yeah. Like, having, yeah. having a momentous 2 on 2 um, and a reasonably good speed in, in, you know, in a charge of 7 inches has gotten me more takeouts than his card would insinuate you would. But now being able to trigger that, that fire blast on three, I think he's going to see some use and, and is not, not to be sniffed at. So it's a very welcome return to silence into my roster, which I'm now really glad is 12. Um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. the times that I've played him, the amount of times when he makes an attack and, you've got two successes and then you go momentous two and people go, he has momentous two on two but, oh, because they just don't, up. 
<laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. They just don't expect it. Um, then the other thing while we're talking about his playbook, his tackle did come down as well because his tackle was, I was think, on five. On five. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it was a case of we weren't really sure why it was there. It was obviously put there for a reason a long time ago. And it, we just. It, it was put there for season one reasons. And season one reasons can be anything really they're a bit nebulous <laughs> um, i mean i'm surprised that hasn't been a meme yet but that's because maybe people don't talk about it much but when something has been there since season one it hasn't changed and no one really knows why you just say uh season one things it might even be better to have that meme that's that dude with crazy hair and he's got the hands up it's just like season one yeah <laughs> yeah. Sense. yeah um but yeah yeah so i mean it's especially weird because silence is one of the only models in the morticians that you kind of want interacting with the ball a lot because he's got a decent kickstart already and then he's got kick support dirge so he can actually have a four die kick um, i must admit i was surprised to see kick support make it to season four um mm. in the kind of the ethos of making things simple making things a bit more streamlined then still having that sort of positional requirement because of course creation's gone um yep. and, and things like that so his relationship with dirge is, is lessened in many ways but he's still got you know access to the the four seven kick which whilst we're talking four seven kicks it seems a reasonable thing to say tapping rules is that rounding down it is yes so uh, he right. he will only get tapping if when you it's the same football legend as well uh, but you'll be rounded down so if you're kicking with an odd number but of an odd uh, valued range then it will be the lesser of the two so if you kick it seven inches you get tapping three inches basically yeah, uh, yeah round that makes sense so yes very much looking forward to to having silence back on the pitch um skulk is an interesting one as i mm. think his playbook is the playbooks that's changed the most in guild yes um, <laughs> yes. yes it is <laughs> so <laughs> It sounds like there's a story behind that. Um, There there is a bit of one, which is that the the amount of proofing that we got to do on a lot of these cards was not necessarily as much as we would like. Okay. There were some results on Skulk's cards that were meant to be unchanged. And they ended up being changed on the final card. But that's what's gone to the public. At the end of the day, we we, we assessed it afterwards and went, huh, there's some unintended changes to that card there. Um, just to point them, point them out, the knockdown coming down from six to four was intended. Push. That's, that's, Sorry, say again. Yeah, so the, the knockdown coming down from six to four, that is intended. Um, the cool. tackle double dodge going momentous, that was not intended. <laughs> and the, uh, and the, the, the double dodge single push going to a double push single dodge was not intended either. But we honestly, proofing 170 cards in as short time space as we did, and then some of them going out to public occasionally small errors arise those two those two extra ones i mentioned at the end there were not actually meant to happen but we analyzed afterwards and went do we want to go in a route to this card now we've shown it to the public or do we or is it probably fine as it is we looked at the model and went no it's it's actually fine just leave it it's okay so dodge double push sort of aligns in with piper yeah Yeah, that's what i was gonna say is it's it's theme it's you know making him like piper he theme within the team so I'm glad Steve's here to correct me on PR stance. Yes, we meant to do that. That's <laughs> something we it was, to, it was to mirror Piper's res, It was to mirror Piper's results to make the team more consistent and more thematic across the board. Let's yep. go with that. I'll edit this. So that... <laughs> I'm not going to edit it. I'm going to leave that in. No. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, seeing the tackle double dodge makes me very happy. Um, equally. I'm a big fan of Skulk. He's generally the fourth man in my team just because, 
he's either a phenomenal battery, a great crowd out, probably the most survivable mortician squaddy outside of casket in my mind, because poised and uh, double disengage on two is a lovely combination. But um, yeah, yeah lovely, lovely to see him uh, sort of retain those sort of unique traits and to gain the lower knockdown, which I must admit is a very, very welcome uh, thing to see. Yeah, go on, Steve. He's also just annoying for opponents. Um, I I didn't realise how annoying he was for my opponents until I was playing engineers um, into him playing pin vice and yeah, I was just like, this model is really annoying and I now realise what I'm doing to people. I'm gonna keep doing it though because morticians and I'm a bad person, but yeah, he is just <laughs> annoying. <laughs> I mean, there is. I, I had a, a fantastic game, game against the local opponent recently. He kicked off. He's playing order. Uh, kicked off with mist, and you know the the mist goal is is very much on the cards. Um, and I ran skulk forward, retrieved the ball, and just kept sprinting forwards towards him as close as possible. Put up horrific odor. Put up pest control. Um, and he stared very confused at the pitch, realizing a he couldn't charge skulk and go bounce off far enough to get to my goal because I'd brought the, the ball too near him. B, that his influence allocation was all was was not going to be able to get around both horrific odour and pest control and all those sorts of things. And sort of very audibly said, um, well, at least you've killed the ball on Skulk for the turn. I don't have to worry about that. And sort of didn't activate Mist for the first time, got to win about his game. And then the ability that everyone forgets about, activate Brain Pan and use I'm Open uh, to, yeah. to pull the ball back into your line. And I think brain pan having I'm open is one that people just forget again and again and again and again and works lovely with that ability of Skulk to just deny people the ball. No fun for you. It's all yeah. mine. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> uh, so is there, is there no, no, to... Rich. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Sorry, that, that's, that's something you have to worry about, not me. Um, uh, <laughs> True. No. Um, so that's sort of all the Mortician's cards. Is there anything, before we sort of divulge into... The, the remaining rat catchers. Is there anything you wanted to cover in terms of the mortician's design ethos or have we, or, or have we covered everything? I think, I mean, from my mind, we've covered everything and I kind of dove into the, the deep stuff when we started talking yeah. about this really early on, really, and the, the, the control play style is one that is a bit nebulous at times and it's hard to define and therefore quite, it can be a challenge to develop. Um, but I think it's quite useful actually that a lot of the developers uh, here at Steve Void or I say a lot of them me and Steve uh, and, and there's a number of other staff here that we all love playing with morticians we play with them a lot so they're one of the ones that are a bit even though they are in theory quite difficult to develop they're, we've got a lot of experience in the building with them like first hand experience uh, which mm. certainly helps a lot with them so I'm really really excited to see what people make of them in season 4 um, and on the one hand the snowflake in me is like I like being one of the only mortician players around but I also know that it's really really good for, for everyone to play all the guilds equally so I'm excited to see more people play playing with the morticians and having fun with them basically yes yeah, absolutely. yeah. He's... and it's sorry steve go ahead i i was just gonna say and i think scalpel is really gonna help with that the number of people that yes. have never shown interest in morticians and all of a sudden like yeah i think i might play morticians and that for us as developers is such a good thing to hear because <laughs> that yeah is and one I... of the rewarding parts of the job and, I, and also I also existing my... players yeah, for yeah. sure also existing players that were like Jamie I was thinking about playing another team in season four but then you showed us scalpel <laughs> yeah. And yeah it's 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 interesting because I don't think because I, I used scalpel quite a lot 
um, in, in, in when I was using morticians. I generally used to put her in against hunters, against falconers, against fish, against masons, and against blacksmiths, which is a reasonable proportion of the, the guilds out there. Either because, you know, um, falconers and hunters tend to ruin Obulus's day quite happily because they ignore all of his defences. Um, masons and blacksmiths' armour is negated by anatomical precision. And with fish, she can get to any of them quite happily. Uh, and admittedly, I'm, that's my logic, and I'm not asking for validation of that logic. But I don't see that the drops where I use scalpel changes all that much here. It's just that she becomes more viable into situations where I might not necessarily have used her before. Uh, yeah, I think that's a fair point. One matchup I think she has gained that mm. uh, is she loves playing into someone like Vet Rage because Vet Rage is not happy about his scrum getting reformed to 100%. affect yeah to affect bloody coin and things like that. Equally, therefore, brewers because of their sort of scrum dictation. Um, Farmers as well and blacksmiths. Basically, anyone that has some very strict positioning is not happy into scalpel. Yeah, so basically what we're saying is she's very good into footballing teams because she can get to them and ruin their day or change their positioning, especially with you know, moving moving velocity or flint or you know, a turret or angel or something like that. Just a little bit outside of their uh, kick range is hilarious. Um, so yeah, you can use scalpel anywhere now, which is amazing to see. And I stand by my earlier prediction that someone is going to use scalpel and burn the world and it's going to be hilarious. Um, but... <laughs> You winding up for something there, Perk? No, that's good. I was just, I was, I was thinking about it, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> All right, okay. Fine, fine. Um, Piper then. Um, so, yeah, a relatively new captain and one that's seen a fair reasonable amount of changes. I think in in this pass, both to the cost of his abilities and in his kick results. So, where where are we, we with Piper, Jamie? So, it. it a lot of the stuff, as we said in the in the Ratcatcher blog, really is is we wanted to modify the the actual Ratcatcher game plan to being or the, the I'm trying to talk about perception. So what we wanted the playstyle to be, intention, if you want to, yeah. um, versus what was people were actually playing with, and what we wanted it to be is that people were still scoring two to three goals a game, uh, and if they were ever stuck into a corner, you've got some decent backup melee damage in the form of Pelage and, and Scourge and Veteran Graves as well um, to get a couple of takeouts. Or if they're really in a in a, in a corner, they could use Grave Snack Digger to get a four victory point takeout. Yeah. What was actually happening is that people were using that as a as a main offensive strategy, is to go for the snack digger takeouts multiple times per game, and then maybe score a goal at the end to finish it off. And this is not what we wanted the rat catchers to to do or to play like at all. Um, so we did have to go and have a, a and have a, a a decent look at how we could rectify that basically, and how to go to take them back to what we wanted them to do. Because some, sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it's okay that models are used in a way that we didn't expect. But when it's a whole guild that their entire place. <laughs> style is off that's not okay um you know uh, certainly the majority of people that were playing with them it was not was not working terribly well so we did a couple of things to to bring back into line their capacity for melee takeouts so that is not in fact you know that statement's not even true um they still have the same capacity to take out models that they had before if anything it probably yeah. got a little bit better because of veteran yeah. graves but but they're not doing the gimmicky takeouts that are worth four 
victory points. Each each take out they get is worth two VPs, um, which means they should now be a bit more reliant upon their goal scoring. At the same time, we have made we've increased their capacity to goal score uh, by making Bone Saw a heck of a lot better than he was. We've um, given extra kick dice to Skulk and to Piper, um, and uh, and those. Those are the main aspects to it, I guess, really. is obviously as well as making Veteran Graves' football game a little bit better as well. Um, and hopefully now we can see a readjustment of their playstyle to be more heavily focused on goal scoring so that we can see that either scoring three goals to win or scoring two goals and getting two takeouts. And hopefully that's probably what we're going to see from them in the future. Also did a couple of the small bits to them. Obviously, you've seen the change to Miasma, on, on which, which directly impacts on disease. And even though the changes to Salve and how they interact with disease don't necessarily directly impact their play style in terms of how many goals we want them to score, that's just some a, a little way of making playing with the rat catches a little bit easier. And I guess that kind of falls under the complexity headline, um, subtitle, yep. whichever. Um, playing with disease is a little bit simpler now because if you have a knockdown diseased scourge, you don't have to worry about removing all the conditions because you want him diseased. You can just take out the knockdown and have him go and wreck face like he always was going to. Um, hopefully they're a little bit easy to play with. So if we were to summarize what we've done with the record in two points, it's realign the play style to be more goal scoring focused and make them a little bit easier to use. Yeah, yeah it's um, so. so pay the piper going from two influence to one yeah is that just really to sort of increase the threat of pay the piper it's to see it being used more often really because pay the piper is actually a very strong ability that's amazing the the times the times at which i would see it being used is when people um happen to spike high enough to roll i think he had a momentous playbook trigger on five or still has that sorry i think he's got a momentous playbook trigger for it on five um, or at least he had it in season three. And I would only really see it being used then because it, the opponent had spent one influence on triggering it and they're going to get a momentum for it. So people wanted to use the ability, but they didn't feel like paying a two influence cost was was worth it, um, mm. which means the, the ability is overcosted, quite simply. Um, so yeah, sure. we had a look at bringing the, the cost of the ability down uh, and that seems to have, that seems to have fixed the problem. It, is that people can now, people are now happier to trigger off the playbook or just spend the one influence for it because it's, it's really, really good to have up all the time. Um, for, for that cost, um, basically. So. Um, it's interesting because, of course, and I, I was quite vocal about it around Vengeance, uh, losing in my final round to uh, a beautifully uh, played Rat Trap by my opponent. Um, that, you know, that sort of play style of I'm going to use Piper as a taxi to bring opponent's models into a scrum ostensibly is still there. You know, the, yes. the, you know, the double push on two, the heroics, the same um, haunting melody is the same. Um, it's, it's still actually, it's just the gimmicky four VP or the three VP um, as Greg day um, utilized very, very well to win um, big bad beer ball bash uh, a few weeks ago. Well done, Greg. Um, you know, if you know, your play style hasn't really changed, it's just the gimmicks being taken out of it. So it, yeah, it's yeah. nice to it's nice to see that Piper is getting benefits as well in terms of the extra dice for his kick. Um, four six is incredibly reliable unless you're scatter in season three. Thank you for missing all those tap ins. Um, but elsewhere in the guild, um, I mean, Squeak's only real change is that he's got slightly faster. Unless I'm massively missing something. Yeah, no, no, he just got the he got the uh, one 
him on in uh, one one move. Uh, but remember, he's also going to get impacted by that change to veteran graves. So if you're taking him yes. with Squeak together, you're you're going to get to use Squeak a lot more actively. And we're interested to see how that how that comes off. Um, I think that when people are using getting more use out of him and using things like Dreadful Shriek a little bit more often, then people will will we'll see how that goes. Basically, the prediction is is that they'll people will be a bit happier with him with him mm. being able to engage a little bit more easily remembering he's also still got tag along as well so he's, he's actually quite quick he can move 10 inches a turn oh, yeah. um, and then if you, you don't allocate him at the start as well give him the two from veteran graves go and do a go and do a dreadful shriek and maybe make an attack and do some event there's nibbles um any good <laughs> i think the the other thing that squeak i see him being used a lot for is um the surprise goal threat and the number mm. of people that at events will come up and tell me stories of when they were, you know, backed into a corner, they were about to lose, and um, Squeak gets reveried and scores a goal to win the game. Amazing. Um, <laughs> Amazing. And it's it's something I hear a lot about because a lot of people just ignore him. They see that he has no influence. He's a mascot. What's he going to do? And then he's used to get that final goal. And it's something that, I just enjoy hearing about because who doesn't want a rat that scores goals? <laughs> You're Absolutely. <an> opponent. <laughs> um, so Miasma, <laughs> main, as you as you mentioned there, Jamie, like main changes the change to salve, which yeah. got certainly locally from from my community got an incredible incredibly positive response. That um, you know, disease. One of the, the sort of the commentary that I had from my local players was that disease doesn't outside of scourge doesn't really have a a benefit to the rat catchers when maybe it should or at least they felt it should so being able to remove mm. another condition if you are diseased is a is a really nice change especially then as it doesn't put any kind of activation order control in that it doesn't have any requirements right. outside of positioning so that's a, a, a nice elegant change if i may say so sirs um yep I, it, it's, it's also might make you think about as well in certain situations like oh, I'm playing against the Brewers I'm going to get to spend most of the game with a lot of my players knocked down um, then in certain games you might even decide I actually want to have a lot of my players diseased because of how Salve is going to benefit me in future turns um, it's also like I don't know the answer to this question so because uh, I've not seen outside of the blogs the, the, the season four rule books themselves um, uh so in terms of auras and how that interacts with terrain, particularly, um, and, and line of sight, is, is, is auras going to, because this is certainly an area that I've always had as a bit of area of confusion amongst my community, is how does line of sight and an aura interact with one another? Do you need to have line of sight to the origin model, or is just being within six, six inches sufficient? No, the, uh, the only time you are required to have line of sight to something in Guild Ball please correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, is um, when you use the word target. So mm. that's why we sometimes use the word choose. Choose is just pick a model that's not using the keyword target. Keyword target says you must be within range and line of sight of whatever model. So, um, I don't know, affordability just says, like a deadbolt, for instance, I guess, says target enemy model suffers three damage, the two-inch push in the knockdown, knockdown condition. Um, you know that has an eight inch range because it has the range of the character play and it says target enemy model so you're saying it is within eight inches because that's the established range of the character play and i have line of sight to the opponent so any other ability that doesn't say target doesn't require line of sight whether it says choose or if it doesn't say anything at all doesn't need line of sight so ors and pulses don't need line of sight you've, you've done your trick yeah. again <laughs> in mentioning another guild and it's one that's already been released so yeah uh, oh, good. again <laughs> played i mean yeah. 
the thing is, I was I was remembering it based off season three anyway, and just like, yeah, no, it didn't change. It's fine. We're off. I told you, mate. We're gonna wing it. It's good. <laughs> um, last, lastly, then, really, because we've, we've sort of been through through all the other changes. Lastly, Scourge. His ability to heal fourteen wounds a turn is quite something. I think it's fair. To it say. is. Um, so is that is that really where you see him now? Is just being this incredible self-healing tank yeah i mean he, he hits he hits real real hard still um and he is he, he hasn't got the most number of health boxes to bring him down but you can use him in quite clever ways to make him quite resilient the mm. the counter attack to snack break is underrated um and when <laughs> when you when you're trying to take him out that can be incredibly infuriating because it's you getting four health back that you then have to take off him again through tough hard. Right. Yeah, like you know, your um, goes to you. Oh, that'll be momentous too. Your counterattack, sweet. I heal six. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I do like yeah, the yeah. the um, imagery of him counterattacking. <laughs> like someone's attacking him, and his response is, "Now I'm just gonna eat something. It's all good." Yeah, like Don't he's he's, he's, leaning, he's leaning back to take this massive haymaker, and the opponent just is like, "Oh my god!" and just cowers. And then when they've they're like, "Why didn't I get hit?" and they're just looking up from where they've been cowering, and he's just halfway through munching on a rat or whatever. And he's just like, "Yeah, I got I got." I, I got bored. I didn't want to hit you. <laughs> I didn't want to make you feel bad. You carry on. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. You do you, mate. You do you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, rats were rats were our first minor guild. Mm. Um, so this seems like a, a reasonable place to ask you guys how how are minor guilds going into season four? Are you happy with their implementation? Like, obviously, we've seen changes to the playstyle of rat catchers, and you're unafraid to to make those changes where the minor girls haven't been it's very interesting steve to note here that you're putting in rules to make me lose and jamie's putting in rules to make <laughs> me win uh so that's a nice balance amongst the development team that i appreciate but yeah are, are they are they doing what you envisaged um uh, are they where you wanted them to be you want to take this perkins it's it's a difficult one to answer that without going into a lot of detail. And I okay. waffle a lot and I have waffled a lot. Um, I would say, I'd say they've been successful. Um, mm. A lot of people playing with them, a lot of people interested in, in them. We don't see a ton of uh, games being played <coughs> competitively uh, with the minor guilds yet, which is something that we do want to rectify. Uh, and I'm still curious. And to me, the jury is still out on whether that's a perception thing. Like just because the minor guilds do have fewer, do bring fewer models to the table, whether people just innately think that makes them less powerful. And I'm mm. I'm not sure that's the case. But ultimately, me believing this on my own isn't going to change the public perception of that being the case. Um, so there are things that it, that we have to do to encourage them to be played a little bit more in certain instances. Um, and with the rat catchers uh, change to season four, the majority of what we have done isn't just to increase their power level. I think we've probably done that slightly. But the main thing we've done is to modify their playstyle to play in the fashion that we wanted them to play in originally because we didn't achieve that first time round, that's our mistake uh, but ultimately i think that they have they've been received quite well we see a lot of excitement and drive about them and they are getting players interested in the game that might not have otherwise been interested before and it is certainly another thing that allows us to keep going with our ethos of we're going to expand the game laterally rather than or, 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 the game's width rather than the game's depth um yes yeah so we're going to keep adding new new guilds to the game right other than increasing like dramatic we're going to probably going to keep adding models to the existing guilds as well but we're going to do that less than we are at new entire new guilds and that seems to be something that gets people excited uh, um, so 
I, I, we, we, reckon, we reckon it's been a success, but that's something I think that a lot of people could spend a lot of time talking about and discussing and have different, differing opinions on. And, and it's been nice to see them being played in competitive events. We like to see them being played a little bit more in competitive events, but ultimately that's not the, that's not the be, all, be all and end all. At the end of the day, as long as people are, and I don't want to get into like corporate speak here, but as long as people are buying the product, I guess, and playing with it and enjoying it in their own way, whether that's enjoying it in their own home, enjoying it in leagues, casually, casually playing it in competitive tournaments that means that people are enjoying the things that we're making um, and that's good enough but we still like to see them being being, being played um a lot more in general yeah i yeah, think so it's, like it's, i think it, it, it's fair to say jamie that, that you and i talk a lot <laughs> which is fine um and we were discussing minor guilds a couple of months ago and i just sort of just to highlight something you said in one of those conversations so i think it's a, a very sort of pertinent to what you're saying there is you were saying to me, you know, what, you know where do you think of minor guilds? Like, where are you? are you? Are they in your, you know, as someone who probably reasonably well known for changing guilds quite a lot, I maintain that this is media research rather than an inability to make a considered opinion or decision rather. Um, you know, like, where are you on, um, on minor guilds? Are they in your rotation? And I sort of said, you know, to be honest, not, not just yet. I've not, I've used them a couple of times. You, you know, Falcon is against you and, and rat catches every now and again. Um, and to which your response was, ah, I'll get you with one of them yet. And I like that. I like that <laughs> idea that, you know, the, the, the idea that I haven't put minor guilds down on the table a lot is uh, something that you want to change. Not just for me personally, because believe it or not, it isn't all about me. Um, but for, for, for people as a whole, that that's, uh, you know, to see minor guilds have a, a major uptake for one of a, a better expression. So just, is any... any I mean, oh, certainly. No, no, I was just going to say, say it, certainly. And I was actually just thinking, like, this is something I talked about quite a lot at the recent weekend at WTC. It's interesting conversation with people. And it's it's uh, it's important, and I'm glad you mentioned that, because it is important to us to get people playing as many different guilds as possible. And it's something I have, that I have mentioned to you in our private conversation before, is that it's, it's our job to make your decision on what guild to play as difficult as possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It, it's, something, it's something that we joke about, um, but, but it, it genuinely is a thing that we, that if you have an easy choice to play one guild, great, that's great. We, that means we already have you as a fan of the game and that's totally fantastic. If we can have somebody as a fan of three or four guilds and they don't know what guild to play, that's an even better spot because they that means they probably love the game and there's so much that excites them about it. And if we can get to, the, I mean, the, the, the golden territory to get to is if we can get to a point where every guild that someone chooses to play and even within that guild, every model that you choose to play with, if you are picking all of that stuff based on personal preference and not this is better, then we've succeeded and we've made the perfect game. Um, we're never going to get to that exact point because it, it, there's so much stuff that's subjective and people have differing opinions and that's all. No, but it's, it's a noble Fine. aspiration. Um, but absolutely you've got to, you've got to strive to perfection to hope in the hopes of getting anywhere near it so if we can make more of those choices harder for people that they don't know what to play with and if those choices when they are made are, are um personal preference of i like all this stuff but at the end of the day i'm just going to play with this because i, I just want i just can't really describe it i just want to play with this more it looks cool or something like that then then perfect um and you know that's what the aim in general is so yeah perfect. and so i think uh and I think the other thing with minor guilds as well, to go back to them, is mm. we, like, rats are our first minor guild. And I think we're getting, as with everything, we're getting better at making them. Um, okay. Like, we learn lessons. Like, every model we make and every guild we make, we learn new lessons and get better at doing what we do. So hopefully, 
you know, as time goes on, um, we'll make more and more appealing minor guilds. And, you know, if if we can't get them played, we'll make tweaks to get them played, I guess. Perfect. Perfect. Gents, any closing thoughts there for as we sort of begin to wrap this up um, on either the changes to morticians and rat catches? Any sort of final things you wish to leave handy listeners or handy viewers with? Um, if, if you're interested in playing either morticians or the rat catches, I mean, they're still, they're still going to be, there's still going to be a number of, think, of metal themes for the morticians and shops. Go and pick some up, uh, pick up the rat catches from your local gaming store, pick up the, the rat catches or the, res, or the resin morticians from the Steamforge gaming store. Make sure if you're interested in this guild, give it a try in season four, see what you think, play more guild ball. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's interesting because I've, I've always said, you know, morticians are a team that I, I'm deeply attracted to both in terms of the aesthetic and also in terms of play style, but I'm uh, always shied away from playing them in tournament competition because I think they'd be exhausting or I think they'd be very demanding or I'm frankly not good enough to use them. Um, and But as anyone that knows me knows, I have recorded um, not just on film, but on paper and in spreadsheets, every single game of Guild Wars I've ever played because I'm an enormous nerd. Um, and going back and looking through all of those statistics as I want to do, my win rate is no different with this team than it is with any with any other team. Just so just because they're complicated, just because they have a divergent play style that is not as straightforward as others, don't let that put you off playing them. Uh, they're a, a phenomenal guild to use, um, and if you are put off by the perceived skill floor required to play them don't be if nothing else jamie's given you a flow chart from his daughter on how to allocate influence <laughs> and do your activations um gentlemen thank you very much uh for joining me um and going through all the changes for both rat catches and morticians um there will be more to come i'm sure within this playlist the ridiculous amount of content that we're putting around morticians uh, please do take a look at that and also please do take a look at all the other work being put out by everyone else thank you very much folks <laughs>